May I invite you to turn once again this week to the book of Psalms and today to the 86th Psalm. Psalm 86. psalm is, as you can read there, a prayer of David, and it reads as follows. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me And a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me. And comforted me. Fathers, we turn to your word. We want to turn now to you as David does in this psalm and ask for your help. Whatever the needs of our souls may be today, use this psalm to meet those needs. Grant us your help, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes in a passage of scripture, you will find a key phrase or sentence that seems to encapsulate the whole section that you're reading. A sentence which, if you can remember it, will summarize for you and help you remember the entire passage. So, for instance, in Psalm 23, that sentence is the first sentence, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that one verse, you have the whole psalm in miniature, don't you? Because the rest of the psalm unpacks what it means that the Lord is my shepherd and in what ways I shall not want. Or when we were studying the book of Acts, we said that chapter 1 verse 8 really puts the entirety of that book into a nutshell for us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
And the rest of the book unfolds according to that plan. The coming of the Holy Spirit and then the gospel spreading first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and then through Paul's ministry beginning to fan out to the remotest part of the earth. And then we saw the same thing last week in Psalm 85, I think. Verse 6 served as a kind of hub around which all the other verses revolved like spokes in a wheel. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? That's the main burden of the entire psalm, really, summed up in one simple question to the Lord. Now, not every passage works this way, of course, but it can be a tremendous help to you in your study of the Bible and in your remembering what you read if you can sometimes spot these great summary statements and even commit them to memory. And today, as we turn to Psalm 86, I think we'll find just such a summary statement in verse 7. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. That one verse is is a kind of topic sentence for the rest of the psalm. It contains, in a nutshell, what David is really saying throughout the entirety of this prayer. Just listen to it again and allow the Holy Spirit to imprint it on your memory. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. Those are the three basic themes of this psalm. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. And we're just going to spend a few minutes on each of those three items, dividing the psalm up into those categories, and we'll begin with, in the day of my trouble. This is clearly that sort of day, as David writes this psalm, isn't it? In the day of my trouble. And we we can begin to sense that David is in trouble even through the kind of desperate language that he uses in the first few verses of the psalm, right? Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. Verse 3, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Verse 6, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. The very language that he uses here to address his God, the desperation of that language, the pleading of that language clues us in that this is for David just no ordinary time of saying his prayers. This is a day of trouble. O Lord, please hear, please help, he's saying. And then, of course, in verse 1, he says quite directly that he's in trouble. I am afflicted and needy. And we all, if we have lived long enough, have come to places in our lives where we could identify with that phrase, haven't we? I am afflicted and needy. If you've lived long enough in this world, you have come to places where you were desperate, like David, for someone to help you. Maybe you cried out to the Lord. Maybe you didn't yet know the Lord, but you knew you needed someone to come and meet you in your need. That's the way life is, isn't it? As the English Standard Version puts Jesus' words in John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation. And it's good, isn't it? That the Bible not only tells us that difficulty is coming, but that it sometimes, as in this psalm, lets us in on those very sorts of moments, even in the life of its greatest heroes. 
It's good that we can listen to David's groaning here, as it were, because it will help us when we are in the day of groaning ourselves. I am afflicted and needy, David says. And the Bible mercifully gives us the very words that he spoke and the very thoughts that were running through his mind and the very prayer that he prayed in the day of his trouble. And so this psalm is a great gift to those of us who may be afflicted and needy at some point in our lives, to those of us who may be afflicted and needy even this morning. This psalm will teach us how we might pray and how we should trust the Lord and believe him for answers in the midst of the day of our trouble. So let me just stop and ask if there's anyone afflicted and needy this morning. You don't have to volunteer to raise your hand, but I wonder for many of us if there is some hurt, some disappointment, some fear that is just eating away at us, gnawing away at our hope like rust. Or maybe for some of you it's a physical affliction that's left you in a place of desperation, like David in this psalm saying, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. Or your neediness might be financial or relational, it might be work-related. It may be for some of us this morning that the sin that so easily entangles us, our besetting sin, some ugly habit that is constantly offending God, is what is making us afflicted and needy. But whatever it is, I just want you to think about it just now. How are you, perhaps, afflicted and needy today? Now, for David, we learn in verse 14 that his trouble was a threat to his very life. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. Now, that may refer to the way King Saul constantly had David in his crosshairs, or this psalm may have been written at another time in which David's life was in danger. Those are different days from our own, right? They were warring days, days when kings went out to battle. And so David's specific troubles in this psalm were in some ways different from what you're probably facing this morning. We may even feel like our difficulties pale in comparison to his and like we really can't pray exactly like David. And, and yet the point is not what your difficulty is, but that the way that men and women of faith deal with their difficulties, whether they are small or great, ought always to be the same. So that whatever your difficulty may be today and however difficult it may seem in comparison to others or however, however different it may be from David's specific problems, there is help in this psalm for you to respond to it rightly and for you to respond to your God rightly. And so whatever it is, I just want you to bring it up in the front of your mind this morning. What is it that eats away at you? What is it that's difficult for you right now? What is it that seems to have no solution for you right now? Bring it up in your mind so that the Holy Spirit can apply the lessons of this psalm to it. Bring it to the front burner. Not so that you can stew over it and let it ruin the rest of your Lord's day, but so that you can apply this psalm directly to the problems in your life that God wants to speak to this morning. So that you can identify with David's cries and so that you can imitate David's prayers. How is it that you are afflicted and needy? And if the answer, incidentally, is, well, actually, I'm not. Things are going rather well at the moment. 
Praise God for that. But also, take seriously the lessons of this psalm anyway. Place them in your hip pocket or in your Evernote account, as it were, to be pulled out at a future date and used because in the world you will have tribulation. In the world, you will eventually have occasion to say, I am afflicted and needy. And you're going to need to know what to say beyond that. You're going to need to know how to speak with your God in the day of your trouble. And that brings us to the next portion of our study this morning. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, he says. And that's exactly what we hear David doing in those first few verses, isn't it? Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Verse 4, make glad the soul of your servant. He's just praying and praying and praying. And we're going to think about in just a few moments exactly what David prayed, what he asked for, and how he thanked the Lord as well. But before we do that, before we notice what David prayed in the day of trouble, I simply want to dwell for a moment or two on the fact that David prayed. I've said this several times over from similar passages, but it's worth saying again this morning. We might assume that it would go without saying that David prayed in the day of his trouble. Of course he prayed. Violent men were seeking his life, and he was a believer in the Lord. I mean, who wouldn't pray at a time like that? What child of God wouldn't pray? Of course David prayed. But again, as I've said before, though it may seem to us like prayer would be the knee-jerk reaction of any believer in the day of trouble, personal experience often reveals to us, sadly, that that's not always the case. In the day of my trouble, I'll often call upon Toby or a close and trusted friend or the elders or a family member or a doctor or a plumber or a mechanic, and none of those things are wrong. In fact, much of the time they're right. But many times I find it true that while I call on them to help me, to comfort me, to advise me, to pray for me, to fix what's wrong, I never actually stop and call upon the Lord. I spring into action sometimes trying to fix the problem, or I call someone who can fix it or who can at least make me feel better, but I forget to cry out to God. And I would guess that many of you would say the same. You find yourself all in a tizzy about something, trying to fix it, and nothing's working, and all of a sudden, a half an hour or an hour or a week has gone by, and you go, oh, we should pray. But that should be the first reflex, shouldn't it? And yet it's not always the reflex action that we might think it would be. And so it's no small thing, I think, simply to notice that David prayed, even before we notice what he prayed. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, he says. Not first of all upon my bodyguards or my generals or my charioteers. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you, for to you I cry all day long. Let's make sure that we do the same. And as we do, it will be helpful now just to notice not only that David prayed, but what he prayed when he was afflicted and needy. What did David pray to the Lord? Well, let me just point out three things to you. 
First of all, and perhaps most unsurprisingly, David prayed about his circumstances. His circumstances. In other words, he prayed that God would deal with the problem at hand, with the imminent threat to his life. Verse 2, preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. Oh, you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Or verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me. Oh, grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Verse 17, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So he's saying, preserve me, strengthen me, save me, show me a sign for good in this difficulty that I'm facing. And of course, those are all the same sorts of things that we will want to pray too when we face the day of our trouble. Lord, heal me from this sickness. Lord, help me do well on this test. Lord, provide money for that bill. Help me find my keys. Grant my child an obedient heart. Rescue my marriage. Provide me a job. Forgive me for this besetting sin. We pray about our circumstances. And not surprisingly, David did the same. And we should as well. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, if we actually remember to stop and pray in the day of trouble, it's probably not in this first area that we will need reminding. If we stop and pray in the day of trouble, we'll probably not forget to ask for specific help with our trouble. We'll probably not forget to ask for God's help in our circumstances. And so I want to move quickly and notice something else that David prays. Not only does he pray about the difficulty of his circumstances, but in the midst of that difficulty, he also prays for his soul. His soul. Did you notice that in verse 11? Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Isn't that interesting? Lord, teach me. Help me to walk with you. Help me to walk in your truth. That's the kind of request we might expect to hear someone say when they sit down to read their Bible. Or during the moments of quiet at the beginning of the worship service, right? Not when there's a pack of angry men on the road on their way to break our doors down and murder us. And yet David, in the midst of difficulty, in the day of his trouble, is not so preoccupied seeking a solution to his immediate problem that he cannot also give attention to the condition of his soul. In the midst of this life-threatening situation, he's praying that God will teach him, that God will unite his heart so that he can better walk with God and more rightly fear him. And that's challenging, isn't it? I don't always pray like that even when times are well and I've got a quiet half an hour to spend in my Bible. And yet here is David praying for the condition of his soul even when the pitchforks and the shouts are being raised in the streets and it's his own head they're crying for. In the day of his trouble, David prays, yes, about his circumstances, but he also prays for his soul. You know, maybe that shouldn't be so unnatural to do as it might at first glance seem. Because isn't it often in the times of the greatest difficulty that we learn the most about ourselves and about our God? Maybe the panicky moments are actually the best time of all to pray that God would teach us and unite our hearts. Because it's then we're most desperate. And it's then we're most aware of our need for Him and thus 
It's then that we're most teachable. And furthermore, it seems to me that God may often even allow the day of trouble precisely in order to teach us about himself. And so Psalm 86, 11 ought perhaps actually to be a natural thing for us to pray when we're afflicted and needy. Lord, use this trial to teach me your way so that I might better walk in your truth. Lord, my heart is pulled in so many different directions. Use this difficulty to unite my heart, to refocus my attention on you. In this, my day of trouble, help me be more attentive to your word than I ever was before, because now I see how much I need you. Do you pray like that when you face life's difficulties? Do you ask the Lord not only to help you through, but to teach you about himself? along the way. I think this is probably one of the most profitable things we can do when we find ourselves in the day of trouble. To pray with David in verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you both to work in my circumstances and also to work in my soul. And then notice one other aspect to David's calling upon the Lord before we move to our final heading. David not only made requests here, but he also gave thanks. Verses 12 and 13, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. David looks to the past in verse 13 and remembers how God has delivered him before. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And he pauses, verse 12, in the midst of his afflictions and in the midst of his prayers about his afflictions in order to thank God for his loving kindness in the past. Verse 12, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. Verse 13, for your loving kindness toward me is great. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. In the midst of his praying, he stops to give thanks. And you know, that's exactly the pattern that we also find in the New Testament book of Philippians, isn't it? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's exactly what David's doing here, isn't he? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, he is letting his request be made known to God. And the importance of this simply cannot be overstated. When we're tempted to be anxious, when we are in the day of trouble, when we are afflicted and needy like David was, yes, we must always let our requests be made known to God, but we must do so always with thanksgiving. And there's always something to be thankful for, isn't there? If you're praying about your afflictions, it may not seem like there's something to be thankful for, but there always is. First of all, if you're praying to the Lord about your afflictions, you can stop and thank Him that you even have the opportunity to let your request be made known to God at all, sinner that you are, right? We have not earned an audience in God's throne room, but we have one. Because God sent his son to be for us a great high priest who by his death put away the iniquities that had made a separation between us and our God so that we might draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And that's something to be thankful for. 
that we can actually do it. We can also thank the Lord in advance for what he's going to do in response to our prayers, right? Lord, I'm asking for your help in all these ways, and I thank you now that I know you hear me because of Jesus, and I know you're going to do me good. Thank you. And of course, we can thank God for past deliverances as David does here in verse 13. I will give thanks to you, verse 12, today, because, verse 13, you have delivered my soul in the past. And that's probably a good exercise when we find ourselves in the day of trouble to remember how God has helped us in the past. To remember remarkable instances of answered prayer in times gone by and to stop and thank God for them in the midst of all of our present praying. Because not only does God deserve to be thanked, but if we can remember the reasons why he deserves to be thanked, our faith will be buttressed that he'll hear us now. Let me say this. Thinking about reasons to thank the Lord in the day of trouble. Even if you've never really found yourself in dire straits. Even if you've never felt really afflicted and needy like David in this psalm. Every one of us who is a true believer in Christ can say exactly what David says in verse 13. Can we not? Your loving kindness toward me is great and you have delivered my soul from the depths of of Sheol. Every believer can say that. Sheol is an Old Testament word for the place of the dead. And that's where we all belong by nature, isn't it? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1 says. Spiritually dead to God and on your way to eternal death and hell. But God, says Ephesians 2, but God... You were dead in your trespasses and sins, verse 1. You were by nature children of wrath, verse 3. But God, verses 4 and 5, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. God sent his son to live without the sin that reigns in the spiritually dead and to die the death that we sinners deserve and to be raised from the dead so that we too might walk in newness of life. And we have been raised with him if we are truly people of faith. Through Christ, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And through Christ, he has rescued us from an eternity of death and hell. And so everyone who belongs to this Jesus can say with David here in verse 13, you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You have delivered my soul from the grip of death, spiritual death here and now, eternal death and hell when this life is ended. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Can you say that? Do you know Jesus where you sit this morning? Has he saved you? If he has then no matter how afflicted and needy you may be in this world, you will always have cause to say to the Lord, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. In the day of my trouble, David says, I shall call upon you. And he did. 
He prayed about his circumstances. He prayed about his soul and he let his requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And I just commend for your imitation each of these aspects of David's calling upon the Lord. But before we finish, we need to notice one more aspect of David's prayer here in Psalm 86. Namely, that David prayed all these things in faith. And that brings us to our third and final heading. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. Verse 7. You will answer me. Just like the psalmist a week ago was confident that God would hear his prayer for revival, so also David here in Psalm 86 is confident that God will answer him in the day of his trouble. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you for you will answer me. Now, verse 7 is the only place in which David specifically says that God will answer his prayer. But the rest of the psalm is just overflowing with evidence that David had every confidence in his God. For instance, after his desperate pleading for help in verses 1 through 4, David follows up with this in verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. That's the kind of God David serves, one who is good and ready to forgive, one who is abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon him. And so, of course, God will answer David, verse 7. That's the kind of God he is. And we see the same train of thought in verses 7 through 10. Listen to them. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. And again, I say, if that's the kind of God David is crying out to, then of course a God like that will hear David's prayers, right? He's not like all the other gods who have mouths but they cannot speak, who have eyes but they cannot see, who have ears but they cannot hear. No, verse 8, there is no one like you among the gods, O Lord. You're the one true God, verse 10. And you're bringing the whole earth to worship at your feet, verse 9. And so of course you'll answer my prayer, David says, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. Do you see what David is doing at multiple places in this psalm? He is buttressing his own faith by reminding God and himself of what kind of God he's actually praying to. He's buttressing his own faith by remembering the kind of God that he's calling upon. He's reminding himself at different points of the character of God, of what kind of God he actually serves. And those reminders are serving to make him more and more confident that this is the kind of God who will actually come through. That this is the kind of God, verse 7, who will answer his prayers. And then we see it again in verses 14 and 15, don't we? In verse 14, David lays out before the Lord what is a very serious and difficult problem. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. Now, if I had to make a statement like that, if there was a band of men seeking my life, my knees would probably be pretty weak, don't you think? And yours would too. And perhaps David's were as well. 
But look what he does again in verse 15. He buttresses his faith by reminding himself of what kind of God he actually serves. Verse 14, O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. And then he's able to go on and pray in faith in the next verses. And that, I say, is why David is so confident in verse 7, that his prayers will be answered. Not because he's looked in the mirror and seen the size of his own faith, but because he has looked into the heavens and into the scriptures and seen the size and the goodness and the capability of his God. Yes, Even in those olden times, David was gaining his confidence directly from the Scriptures. He was getting his understanding of his God from the Scriptures. How do I know that? How do I know that David's confidence in prayer was based on what he had seen of God in God's Word? Well, because in verse 15, he quotes Exodus 34, 6. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Those are the words the Lord spoke about himself in Exodus 34, 6, when he had called Moses up to Mount Sinai, and he spoke to him from the cloud and made all his goodness pass before him and proclaimed the name of the Lord before him and gave him the second copy of the Ten Commandments. And David's apparently been studying that passage. He has part of it at least memorized so that he has imprinted it upon his mind, exactly what his God is like. And now in the day of trouble, this scripture that he stored up in his heart, these characteristics of his God can be pulled out to give him great confidence that this sort of God will surely deliver, that this sort of God will surely answer prayers. It is because of what David knows about his God I say that he can say in the day of of my trouble, I shall call upon you for you will answer me. And I just want to commend to you that approach to prayer. Not simply just to pray and make requests, but to go to the scriptures and learn and know and memorize the great passages about the might and power and kindness and grace of your God, such that when you pray, these characteristics will bubble up to the surface of your conscience, and you will be able to say with David, if this is the kind of God with whom I have to do, then surely he will answer when I call. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. Your confidence that your prayers will be answered will grow, not as you look in the mirror to assess the quality of your own faith, but as you look into the scriptures to see the quality of your God. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great. And do wondrous deeds. You alone are God.